turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you on this uh, wintry day outside today here in Southern California. The gloomiest June gloom of all time, but not on our show We are here to take issues of the day and look at them from a Christian perspective. One of the big issues that is very local right here in Glendale, California, that is a national issue, is what's going on with the Glendale Unified School District, and it's teaching this month in Pride Month, and the protests that happened last week with parents that were against Antifa and other groups, and uh, there was a city council meeting in Glendale where this was part of the discussion. This is former mayor of Glendale, Ara Najarian. Parents know their children better than anyone else. They have insights into their child's strengths, weaknesses, and interests that no teacher, no principal, or school board member, or state legislator has. Parents have the right and responsibility to be involved in their children's education, including discussions about sex education. As a leader of this city with close ties to the Armenian community, I'm Armenian, obviously, as a former GUSD parent, and as a grandparent whose grandchild might enter GUSD, I take deep offense of those who slander concerned Armenian parents who were present at the GUSD meeting as being bigots, and white supremacists. That was our Najarian. He is on the Glendale City Council and used to be mayor, and he is addressing something that has happened in Glendale. It's national news. And, you know, when he talks about the slander and the misinformation, he is talking about how this battle got misrepresented by most of the media and is still being misrepresented. Governor Newsom was in Glendale yesterday and interviewed on television. I want you to listen to this and how it got explained. I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime. I mean, it's it's remarkable what's happening here in Glendale. We talk exclusively with California Governor Gavin Newsom in the very same Glendale Unified School District boardroom where chaos erupted last week. Violent protesters causing disruptions during a discussion about Pride Month. Now, when you hear that, who do you think are the violent protesters? Is it people who are protesting against the Pride Month festivity or is it the people, other people? Who do you think? See, the people who began the violence are literally Antifa, actually Antifa, the guy in the helmets and the mask. Remember the principle on our show is if you've got to cover your face, you're on the wrong side of the argument. I, I can't think of a, uh, a time where that's actually the opposite. I think if you've got to put a sheet over your head or a helmet or a mask, you're on the wrong side of it. This continued this way. We're better than this. Where's our humanity? Where's our decency? We're on hand as Newsom meets with district officials in Glendale then attends Pride Night at Disneyland in Anaheim 
to show his support. Man, that's a whole other story. But as we've been talking about this, I realized that, you know, in uh, that many people listening may not know very much about our Armenian population here in Southern California, and in particular the Glendale area of Los Angeles. And uh, I think this is something important to talk about and to have a deeper understanding. With me to discuss this is Arthur Asadurian. He is the founder of an apologetics ministry called Apologia Center. He was born in Armenia and migrated to the United States at the age of 11 with his family. And uh, in 2003, at the age of 17, he made the decision to follow Jesus as his Savior. And uh, he went to Life Pacific University, earned a BA in Biblical Studies with a minor in Education. He went on to earn an MA in Philosophy from Talbot School of Theology at Biola, right here in Southern California. And uh, he currently serves training people in the defense of the Christian faith. He's married and has three children. Arthur, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Hey, it's great to have you today. You know, this is, it's just outrageous, I think, the way this is being covered. But I think that there's also so much that people don't know. And you have a lot of insight into this. Number one, you're Armenian, and we'll talk about uh, what we need to know about the Armenian uh, population and uh, Armenian people here in the United States. I think that's important. This is a national story, and I think people don't know uh, a lot. And uh, there's so many things that uh, we'll learn today. You know, when you think about this, what's the first thing that comes to your mind that really people need to understand? Well, I think they need to understand who the Armenians are and where they come from. Yeah. And that's many places in certain situations. And in understanding that, they will understand why Armenians specifically have issues with some of the things that are being taught to our children. You know, it is over and over again, and we did a story on this a week ago or so, remarkable how the real story was not reported. And what gets reported is that the Armenian parents, and it wasn't just Armenian parents who were there. And, you know, I think it's important to know it's not just religious people who are there. In fact, uh, many of the people who are on the uh, side protesting against Glendale Unified uh, were even people who are gay, people who have the opinion that we just should not be teaching these things to kids. You know, so what can we learn? What can we learn about the Armenian people and the parents and and the feeling about family and what's going on here? Yes, yeah, so Armenians are a very family-oriented group of folks. I would say that we are survivalistic mm. in nature, and that's largely due to the Armenian genocide Yeah, uh, that was perpetrated in 1915. Yeah. Now tell us about that. That's something that I think maybe a lot of people didn't even know anything about until a few years ago, and now it comes up in the news, and it's, it's become something that was ignored, I think, by a lot of Western countries, including our own for a long time, and now it's receiving a lot more attention. Yeah. So um, in the late 1800s, there was massacres against Armenians in what was called the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. And the Ottoman Empire went through a revolution where a political party called the Young Turks took over with a promise of liberalism, liberalizing from a more kind of caliphate you know, empire yes. as the Ottomans were. And in the midst of that, it resulted in the mass deportations and murders of several groups of people. Armenians were the larger population there. So it was Armenians, Greeks, and Assyrians yeah. who had one thing in common, and they were Christians. Hmm. Um, and so, and one of the ways we know this was particularly targeted at a larger Christian community was because if you converted to Islam, then you were completely fine. You wouldn't have been killed. That's right. And uh, we're talking about 
a million and a half Armenians, I right. believe is the number, right? Mm-hmm. It's a major number. And so that's part of the history of Armenian people, many of which have moved to the United States. You moved uh, when you were a little kid. Yeah, I was a little Tell us about that. You told me that you remember the fall of communism in Armenia. I do. Yeah, I was born in 1985. And, um, and I remember in the late 80s, in 89, 90, uh, where there was a movement in Armenia to, uh, to become independent. And I remember the celebrations of all of our neighbors and people yeah. shooting guns into the air. <laughs> Uh, when Armenia gained its independence from uh, the Soviet Union. Um, I was in Russia in the early 90s for a couple of months. We stayed there uh, before migrating to the United States. Uh, generally, the, I guess, anticipation in people and the desire of people was, hey, we've finally got to uh, a point where we can govern ourselves and mm-hmm. we don't need to be governed from Moscow. And there's ethnic and also... Um, political differences that were there, clearly. Yeah, the United States finally finally acknowledged the Armenian genocide on a federal level in 2019. So it's very recent that this has happened. Um, And so you moved to the United States. Your story is similar to so many people who are here. And uh, what has that been like? Oh, it was great. Um, I... What else I can say? Uh, can I say? I mean, uh, we moved here. I was 11 years old. One of the first things I found out about was American football. People mm. told me, "Hey, let's go out." And uh, I went to elementary school, and uh, it was recess, and they said, "Let's go play football." Right. And I was expecting a different kind of football. Right. And I go outside, and they're throwing this ball around. I was like, "I have no idea like, what, what this is this." Is. Yeah. So that was my introduction <laughs> to American uh, kind of culture. But uh, moved to Glendale. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Jefferson Elementary School, went to Toll Middle School, and ended up going to Clark Magnet High School, just part of the GUSD, but it's in La Crescenta. And um, I had a great experience. Uh, maybe one of the things that's very interesting, I remember, in, I think it was in seventh grade, where we had the option to take a sex ed class. Mm. And I remember my and, parents... And what year would this be? Seventh grade, 97? Okay, so... Yeah, and... Um, I remember my parents like just having discussions amongst themselves and they decided to opt out of that. Mm. And the reason for that is they were just like, hey, we don't want our kid learning about stuff that we're not introducing them to. And there's maybe a a little sense even of like there's a shame aspect of when you talk about sexuality and stuff like that within traditional cultures. Yeah. Uh, It's sort of like when you get to the right age, you kind of figure it out or somebody will guide you through that you learn it yeah, right human beings have always figured this out throughout all of history Correct. without a class oddly <laughs> enough we figured that out um so you know what whatever people went through though in 1996 and 7 would have been just the beginning probably of what we're going through when i had it in class it was very scientific and maybe fifth or sixth grade and uh, my parents didn't opt out but we were in a christian school right so there was a uh, and i remember it because we were giggling through it but it was very scientific. That was it, high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was nothing nothing like today where where things are being described and I can't even get into it. There's there's people who spoke at the Glendale City Council who described this. Things are described that one lady said who's a mom, she says, I didn't even know what that was until yesterday. Right? They're being described to little kids. So in the community here in Glendale, 
you know, how is this being received that today we have sexual education that is that is way beyond it's pushing an indoctrination and indoctrination. And in particular, we're talking about really trans things. And there was a young woman, young girl who has a disability who got in trouble here in Glendale. I think I feel like that's where this started here. Right. She got you know about this story. Mm -hmm. And tell us about that, because she had uh, she has uh, some kind of disability and she got in trouble because she was using the wrong pronouns. Correct. It seems like her uh, her teacher reprimanded her really, really strongly. Yeah. Um, and maybe even threatened her, according to what she was saying in front of the city council, which is, I mean, at that point, you're looking at someone who does have a disability and you, you as a teacher have to approach that with just utter sensitivity and care mm-hmm. uh, because they might not be able to express things the way that uh, you and I might be. And she may not even be that. able to comprehend because what she kept saying is, I used the pronoun her because she's a she, right? And it's an obvious thing, right? And I don't think it doesn't make any sense. So if you can't even make sense of it, how are you going to make sense of Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I got three kids and my oldest is nine. Yeah. He has no idea about this stuff. Yeah. Um, and if somebody approaches him and says something or if he sees someone and says she or her or him and people get upset at that, it's just the kid doesn't know any better. And we don't think it's appropriate for him just yet yeah. to be introduced to that stuff. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Arthur Asadurian, and we're talking about the issue in the school board at Glendale USD. It's become a national issue. Governor Newsom was in town to discuss it, and it is not being discussed in a way that is correct. And, you know, uh, you just mentioned that as a parent, your nine-year-old doesn't know anything about this stuff. But what the school board is saying is that your role as a parent is to let the school board teach them whatever it is that they want to teach. Yeah, and this is the difference in ideology, I guess, um, as to who is mostly responsible for the rearing of our children. That's right. And and, and what the responsibility of the education system is in the United States and what our responsibility as parents are. So at these uh, protests, and there's going to be another one this next uh, Tuesday on the 20th, and a lot of concern about that because, you know, Antifa showed up. There's sometimes, you know, counter-protesting groups, but they're small. But if Antifa is coming, Antifa's role is to create chaos and to do it in such a way that will encourage some kind of violence because, and I'm just going to be frank here, but they understand that the media is not going to cover it fairly. They understand that even though they're the ones who are the instigators, they're not even mentioned in so many of these reports. So you know people who were there uh, a couple of weeks ago and were a part of this. Who was a part of the the group of parents who came out to protest the Glendale School Board? You know, it's very interesting because it's it's difficult to say who was a part of it. Um, What I can say is I want to give props to the parents who were organizing it because for, I would say, at least a week they were posting – we don't want violence. We don't like this is a protest. We want to be peaceful. Even if people are instigating, make sure you like. That's so right. I saw all those posts on social media. Um, politically speaking, even um, religiously speaking, it's a pretty wide group. So you might get people who are fairly conservative Protestant Christians that were there. Mm-hmm. You might get people who are a part of the Armenian Apostolic Church, which is the traditional church of the Armenian people, has been for 1,700 years. Right. Um, and you get people who, uh, what I would say, are probably classically liberal. They're yes. not conservative in the way that we see the news portraying them. So if you sit and talk with them, they're going to tell you, well, yeah, we, we don't really agree with all this stuff with the conservatives. But here's one thing that we can agree on is how we educate our kids and what we teach them. That's something that 
I think is incredibly important as we discuss these things and as we get into this fight, really, because this cannot become just a Christian thing or a conservative thing or Republican thing. Right now, and I'd like to say, I think 80 to 90 percent of the people, once they understand what's happening here, are on the same side, you know, generally, with some nuance, obviously, Mm -hmm. of different things. But that people believe that parents should be overseeing this part of their kids' education. We want kids to have a good education. We want them to learn. We want them to learn math, science, English, and all of those things. Um, And you would say that the people who are protesting here would include all of those groups of people. Correct. Yeah, I would say the common the commonality uh, that these that the people have is uh, their traditional their traditional values. Um, they're not necessarily like biblical values. We get them, and some of us get our traditional yeah. values. And what from would you the say Bible. is the difference? How would you describe the difference between biblical values and traditional values? Yeah, so traditional values are things that you know my dad taught me when I was growing up, and said, "Hey, here's what it means to be a man. Here's what mm. it means to be the man of the house." I have three brothers, okay. so it was it was a very uh, uh, intense household growing up and uh, i'm a middle child so i'm the third one in in the line of that but here's what a man looks like here's the way you're supposed to behave if somebody walks into the room or if you're on a bus and there's an older person you stand up you give them your seat these are traditional values um and and they're good uh maybe not all of them not all traditional values are good some of them should be scrapped right but um biblical values would be things that i specifically get from the Bible. And they'd have to do with my worship of God and how I treat my neighbor specifically relating to me being a Christ follower. Hmm. My guest is Arthur Asadurian. He is uh, he leads the Apologia Center. By the way, you can find that at A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, apologiacenter.com. And I'll give you that in a little bit here again. And uh, he is um, an Armenian man who moved here as a child. He received a um, ultimately, an MA in philosophy from Talbot Theological Seminary, and uh, he serves in the training in the defense of the Christian faith. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call and talk to Arthur. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Arthur, as we come to this next phase of this, which is going to be next week, how do we, as Christians, pray for, in particular, the Armenian community, which I think you know, this has been a, a difficult week because Armenians have been sort of grouped into a right-wing fringe, and they're all white supremacists now, which was news to all of them. Yeah. Uh, how can we pray and support Armenians, and how can we come up alongside Armenians and also parents here and elsewhere who are dealing with this? Yeah, I, I would say generally um, pray that there's peace. Yeah. As Christians, we ought to pray for peace. I think uh, the Bible very clearly tells us that we— Pray for the peace of society so we can live out our faith and we can live at harmony with other people. And that should be our prayers generally. Um, for boldness is probably one thing because there's a lot of pressure and there's yeah. a lot of people who didn't anticipate being in national news. I mean, there's right. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing grandmas and grandfathers kind of, uh, you know, on, on Fox News who are having a hard time even linguistically to communicate, mm. being kind of thrust into this area saying, no, you know, our grandkids should be. Uh, should be protected in, 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 in these ways. So pray for peace, pray for boldness, and just a, a resolution to this. I, I always think uh, if people can reason together and sit together and understand each other, that we can all compromise to a certain extent, especially when we're looking at children and their well-being and, right. and, and, and really seeking their good and their flourishing. 
I think we can come to a resolution on this if it doesn't become a political kind of monster. And I, I, like I said, I think 80 to 90 percent of the people agree. That's why we can come to a solution. I don't believe this is a 50-50 thing. I think that most parents do not want this stuff taught to their kids. They have maybe a different opinion of what age and there's some nuance, right, right and different things or what you can say and what you can't. But what is happening is a very tiny group of people has gotten a lot of power in this discussion and it's in the schools and it's everywhere. I think what we're seeing in Glendale next fall, I think we're going to see it in schools all across the country. Maybe so. And I, one of the things uh, you mentioned, I have a minor in education. Yeah. I, I did my student teaching and I was going to pursue actually uh, becoming a high school history teacher. One of the reasons why I stopped that is because I realized that teachers don't have much freedom in a classroom Yeah, because Everything was getting dictated uh, from a federal level. When I got my minor, it was actually state standards, and then it became, became federal standards within that year. And um, I kind of sort of feel also for educators because at times they feel like, hey, we can't – this is – the state told us to do this, and we're just following protocol. Yes. That is a huge problem for a lot of teachers who also feel afraid to say anything for these same reasons. And there's a teacher right here in Glendale Unified who's fifth grade. He himself is homosexual, and he got fired because he refused to use uh, the pronouns of somebody he was changing. Yeah, and I think he's a science teacher, too. He's a science teacher, right? He's a, it, yeah, he's a science teacher. It is uh, – I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but it is – that is how serious it is, and it's so hard. And, you know, I think that teachers would do a better job if they actually were able to choose their own curriculum for their classrooms. And if teachers actually had a lot more power right in their own classroom, I think that would help a lot with a lot of issues, including our educational issues, math, science, reading, the science, you know, all those things. Yeah, I think generally people just want their kids to get a good education, to have a good future. If you ask my parents why they came and migrated to the United States, the number one answer probably would come out is that we wanted them to have a good life and get a good education. Yeah. And so these folks want their kids to have a good education and good future. All right. This is the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Arthur Osadurian, and he is the founder of the Apologia Center, and which is an apologetics ministry. And when we come back, we'll have Arthur here. We're going to talk about that. And uh, shift gears a little bit, although this is still a, a significant issue, you can call about 888-528-2557. But we also want to talk about apologetics in an age, you know, apologetics, if you're unfamiliar with the word, it's it's to make an argument or a defense of the Christian faith, that the the questions and the issues are rapidly changing, and we want to talk about how a Christian can be better prepared for these things. You can learn more about Arthur's ministry at ApologiaCenter.com, ApologiaCenter.com. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. We will take your calls and more with Arthur as the Pastor Scott Show continues the Thursday edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. I'm a mother of three. I live in La Crescenta. Um, I went to GUSD my whole, almost my whole life, second grade to 12th grade. Um, so I'm calling as a parent today. I was there on Tuesday, and I was uh, standing on the side of the parents at the GUSD school board meeting. Antifa sure was there and others, and they were yelling. They were wearing helmets and riot gear, and they were yelling, Christian fascists go home, over and over and over for two hours. 
And I think the city council needs to issue a statement about this hate incident against Christians. Are you going to stand with us Christians, or is it just one-sided here? And as we know, the London Police Department, you know, issued that statement about that car being vandalized that had Armenian flags on it, and it was keyed all up with pride and LGBTQ and stop hating and it's okay to be queer. That was apparent. Cheryl is her name at the Glendale City Council meeting this week, talking about the issues from Glendale Unified School District and the uh, protests that happened last week that, you know, when they got violent, there was some fist fighting involved. But the way it got reported so often is to blame the parents, most of whom were Armenian and Glendale a, has a large Armenian population. With me talking about this is author Arthur Asadurian, and he's the founder of Apologia Center, which is at ApologiaCenter.com. He was born in Armenia, migrated to the United States as a child. He got his education at Life Pacific University, earned a BA in Biblical Studies with a minor in education. He went on to earn an MA in Philosophy from Talbot School of Theology right here at Biola in Los Angeles. Arthur, welcome back. Thanks for uh, being with me. During the break, we, we were talking about called Godwin's Principle, which is a university professor somewhere said that in any online discussion, eventually someone will call somebody a Nazi or a white supremacist or or something related to Hitler. Yeah. And uh, that's what's happening is uh, uh, the uh, Armenian population are being called white supremacists in all of this by the news media, by by that's what gets reported. I think it's just such an odd thing. I've got a call about that. Uh, you can call, by the way, the Pastor Scott Show and talk to Arthur. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. John and Glendale, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, right, Pastor Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, John. Good, good. You know, I've called before. I know we've met before, but um, this is, you know, I'm also from, I, as I said, I'm from Armenian descent myself, and I do live in Glendale. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to ask Arthur about, you know, um, how this came about where, um, Armenians are being, I, I heard about this too very recently, being labeled as white supremacists and how this is coming about. And on top of that, um, I'm hearing another term being used a lot um, when, they're, when they're talking about Christians, saying that they're this white Christian nationalism. And how, what, what, what is this label all all about and and why is this now being pinned to the armenian american community thank you that's you know such an interesting question you know what would you say about that arthur well it's it's just um, hilarious to me that armenians would be called white supremacists because i mean you're looking at me right now (laughs) how how white am i i I mean i i I know but but, you know it's not it's not just that but it, it seems like when when there's some you know, um, conservatism or, or we want to put when we want to put the Christian identity, they just want to put they want not just even Armenians, but any probably nationality is white supremacists. Yes. They even call some black people white or, you know, I remember when they were calling Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy. Mm, right. You know, it's like they're putting they're putting it from now for practically every nationality who has a type of conservative bent or Christian bent. And yeah. I, it's, not, it's not just Armenians now, but now they're putting the Armenians in the same category. You yeah. know, they call Candace Owens the same thing. Yeah. She, they call her the, the, black, the black female face of white supremacy. We laugh about okay, it because so. it seems kind of silly, but there is a reason. Uh, or okay, at least not, yeah. not a good reason, but a reason yeah. that's put forward. There always is. I mean, um, as a philosopher, my immediate thought goes to how to have proper conversations and arguments and argumentation. And this, mm-hmm. is, a, this is a fallacy called an ad hominem 
uh, fallacy or an ad hominem attack. Mm-hmm. So when you can't reason, when you no longer can reason with your opponent, you start calling mm-hmm. them names. And it, always beca- okay. it al- almost always uh, you take on the position of the moral superior kind of position. And so you call them the worst thing you can possibly think about. That's why they end up mentioning Hitler and you right. know, Hitler, and Nazi, Nazi, white supremacists. Like yeah. It's the worst. Nobody yeah. wants to be called. So it's an ad hominem attack. And I think uh, we can very simply just respond to them by saying, number one, um, that's just not true. Uh, um, I, I would say I'm neither white nor a supremacist. So neither of those statements, or if you want to put them together, it just doesn't fly. Um, and it's just weird right. calling Armenians these things, considering that Armenians are a group of people who've gone through genocide. I mean, we should be the least racist group of people on the planet, considering our history. Yeah, John, thank you for your call. I think that is a is such an interesting uh, point there. Um, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, my guest is Arthur Osadurian. You know, we're living at a time where the and your ministry is in apologetics and making an argument, making a defense for the faith. It's all changed. And this is one of those areas, right, where that term white supremacy used to be very clearly towards white people and people who were uh, prejudiced and who had a true view that white people were supreme above every other race. But now it's become something that gets attached to views that go against what is basically a doctrine. And uh, you find that in critical theory and you find that in a whole lot of ways that a lot of things can be white supremacist, even though it has nothing to do with white people. It The idea is that it's, it's from a Judeo-Christian ethical Western background Yeah, is kind of what that theory is. Again, uh, just a, Simple history lesson would show people that Christianity did not originate in the Scandinavian countries. It didn't? Jesus wasn't <laughs> white? All those white pictures of Jesus I see everywhere, that's not accurate, huh? Right. Blue-eyed? He didn't have blue yeah, eye. yeah. It's always I mean, a blue-eyed Jesus with the hair and everything. Christianity originates in, in the Middle East, uh, in, in ancient Palestine, in Israel. Um, and then when you look at predominantly the expansion of Christianity, you're seeing it in North Africa, Right. Some of the earliest church fathers are North African fathers, like Athanasius, like Augustine or Augustine. Um, and then it goes into more what later on becomes the Byzantine Empire, which is more Greek. Um, and if people haven't paid attention, uh, Greeks are not Scandinavian. They're not European. Also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, we, we laugh, but it's, it's serious and it's part of the indoctrination. I actually have a clip from a teacher who was – who's at Glendale, who who spoke on behalf of the school and at the school board meeting last week. This is what she said. Yes, I'm a teacher in the district. I also teach at LUSD. I have two students in the district. I did intervention at Fremont, but I'm also a community member who volunteers extensively in Watts in South LA, and I work at the Children's Hospital Los Angeles with queer trans youth and large groups. And so I deal with a lot of their trauma related to the heteronormative Judeo-Christian patriarchal imperialist capitalist system that oppresses them that is what's being taught there did you catch all those things i guess <laughs> just come up with any kind of terminology and you can throw out there without arguing for them right without arguing for any of it and that is where the if you're wondering where the white supremacist comes from it's a group of all of that that's part of the critical theory doctrine that is that has been i think institutionalized in the schools that what she is saying is what and she's a teacher. She's teaching your kids that of all those things, Judeo-Christian was one of them, that it is oppressive, yeah. right? That every one of those things is oppressive 
um, and she wants to uh, break those things apart. That's the that's what's being taught today. Yeah. And again, I, I would always go back to a perspective of saying, hey, let's sit down, argue your point. Let's see if it's rational enough. Let's see if it's historically accurate. I mean, uh, it last, I think three years ago or two years ago, I read a book called Dominion, How the Christian Re- Revolution Remade the World. Mm. Um, and this is written by an atheist, um, a, a British historian, Greco-Roman historian named Tom Holland, not to be confused with the He's actor. Not, not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. And, uh, and one of his arguments is Christianity brought about the liberation of the will to the point of, hey, you're morally responsible and you can control your desires and you don't have to give in to them. And he opposes that kind of to the Roman uh, ideology and thinking patterns. Uh, I don't want to ruin the book at the end, but a phenomenal book. I, I think uh, everybody should read it. And, but he essentially says, I am afraid we're going back to the way the Romans used to think. Says so that's my fear, especially on the subject of sexuality. Yeah, and that is really profound when you consider the the history of Rome, and the idea that that thinking is what brought the end of Rome, right? The rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Gibbons, yeah. if you ever read that, uh, also hard to read. Won't spoil the ending for you for that either. Except uh, Rome didn't make it. Yeah, and he blames that. He blames the entire way of thinking that uh, destroyed. There were a lot of terrible things about Rome anyway. It needed to be destroyed, but. You know, as far as when empires are in trouble, the moral questions and the moral theory of the people. And uh, we'll probably have to take another break here. But I wanted to talk about this because the the sexual issues that are now pervasive in our conversation, it has changed the way the church is going to have to engage with the culture in the conversations we have with people. And you run a ministry called Apologia Center. It's at apologiacenter.com. It's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, center.com. And so you're dealing with very young people and the modern way. My modern, I mean contemporary right now. And that's a, that's a big deal. We often argue for the faith in a way that worked really well in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. But the conversations were different then. The mindset is different the things that uh, kids are being taught. So we're going to take a break. If you have questions for Arthur, the number is 888-528-2557. And we will talk about that subject as soon as the Pastor Scott show continues. My guest is Arthur Osadurian, and we'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. On the exposure incident on the South Lawn, uh, having received the statement that uh, the White House believes that was inappropriate, disrespectful, is there going to be a greater effort in the future to communicate a code of conduct for White House guests? Look, We've, as you mentioned, the statement uh, that we put out, you heard from us earlier today, uh, the, the behavior was simply unacceptable. Uh, we've been very clear about that. It was unfair to the hundreds of attendees who were there to celebrate their families. Uh, so, you know, we're going to continue to be clear on that. And 
that type of behavior is, uh, as I said, unacceptable. It's not appropriate. It's disrespectful. And let's not, uh, it, it really does not reflect the event that we hosted uh, to celebrate the LGBTQ plus families. And again, hundreds of families who were here uh, to celebrate uh, their community and who were here in attendance. So um, look, individuals in the video uh, certainly will not be invited to future events. And uh, this is, has not occurred before, right? This is not, this was not a normal thing that has happened under this administration. That was Corrine Jean-Pierre speaking to reporters about an event that happened at the uh, White House Pride Festival or Celebration Day the other day where some people recorded themselves on uh, social media going topless and doing other sexual things uh, in front of everybody, right in front of the White House. And the White House kicked them out, banned them for doing things that they felt were inappropriate for an event like that. Sadly, that same kind of thing is what's being encouraged at uh, at our schools for children in different ways. And that's been a big deal in our schools, particularly here in Glendale, California. And uh, we've been talking about that. My guest is Arthur Osadurian. He's the founder of the Apologia Center. And he is... Uh, a biblical studies major with a minor in education, and he got his degree in philosophy from Talbot School of Theology, Biola here. And his ministry, ApologiaCenter.com, is dealing with the subject of the Christian faith today. And I want to talk to you about that. The number, by the way, if you want to call is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. These issues uh, were not part of the the philosophical conversation about Christian faith and until recently, and now I think they have to become part of it. What would you say about that? Yeah, I, I would say as Christian, uh, as Christians, and specifically if we want to talk about Christian apologists, um, the questions our cultures ask, um, or the answers we have for Christianity, are always going to be relative to the questions that our cultures ask. So if you were looking at the second century, early second century, Christians are arguing that they're not atheists. Right. Uh, that they actually believe in God. They just deny all the pantheon all the of gods, gods yeah. uh, but they believe in one creator. So that's not maybe a something that we're dealing with in our culture, but it might be in some other cultures. So com- considering the question society is asking, the, we're going to give this different, um, different answers. Um, Christian apologetics, the, one of the best definitions I've probably heard of Christian apologetics, actually from a former professor of mine, uh, Dr. Douglas Guyvet, he said that Christian apologetics is the systematic formulation and winsome presentation of the Christian worldview hmm. along with its associated form of life. Right. So you got to live it out. That's right. That's 100% the case. But I love that it includes a worldview rather than... Oh, you got a question, say, can I give you a philosophical argument for God's existence? It's like, sure, here's an argument for morality or from contingency or something like that. Um, But if we think about it as a worldview, then our answers are going to be different. So if somebody comes and says, hey, what do Christians think about sexuality? Then we should be able to present a certain case as to why we think this is both biblical, uh, this is correct, or even this is the thing that uh, advances human flourishing. I think that's an important point because it, it's not just religious rules that we're saying. Right. It's, it advances human flourishing. That's what gets lost in this argument a lot, right, is that sometimes it gets presented from Christians as, this is what we believe as Christians, this is what God says. And yes, that's enough, but God isn't saying it to give us silly rules. He's 
saying it because he wants us to flourish. Yeah, I mean, it, comes, it all comes out of God's love. If That's God right. cares about us, then the rules he's even going to give us are good for us. And we understand this as parents. Yes. We understand this as a society. Why do we have rules in society? Yeah. Why is it inappropriate, say, for something like that to be done in front of the White House? Yeah, why? Beca- <laughs> there's because a reason. There's a, there's a reason. There yeah. always is a reason. Well, you, are, you don't want to portray yourself as a country like that, or this is a very, for lack of a better term, sacred, politically sacred site. Yeah. And there's, there's ways you can act and there's ways you can't act. Um, but it's always like to the image of America, for the good of America, these things are done. And I would say this is the reason why God has uh, the rules that he does. It's very interesting to me that sometimes uh, I will hear psychologists and read articles like, hey, we've discovered something. Like scientists discovered if you have many sexual partners before you're married, it's psychologically bad for you. Right. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Christians knew that 2,000 years ago. They're That's actually right. writing about this stuff. Like they, maybe they couldn't explain the science of it. Yeah. But they were clearly talking about human flourishing and what's advantageous to your family, how something's going to affect you, monogamy. So it, we can explain methodologies. We can explain as to why or what's happening. Uh, but as Christians, we need to give a defense and really stand our ground in regards to God's love for us, his care for us, and how we're going to respond to the issues that our culture specifically has. And that changes. Yeah. I think that matters. And and you said a moment ago, it's also how we live our life. And that on this issue is significant. I think Tom here from Glendale has a question about that. Tom and Glendale, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. And that man sitting across to you is, is someone I look up to greatly in my personal walk with Jesus. Um, I just had a quick question. Um, how, how do Christians toe the line of, you know, you, you hear a lot of Christians saying like, like, look, look, like these LGBTQ community members are, are with us on this issue. Like they're against the trans stuff that's going on. But like, how do we toe the line in a way where we're not, our default position isn't becoming like, hey, we're not against like homosexuality. We're just against this version. Because I think that's like, you go down a bad path there because then in like 10 years, it's like, oh, you know, we're not against like the trans community. Now we're against like, bestiality or something like like it, it just it seems like there's no end to it so how how do we toe the line there as as believers and how we respond to this issue that's a good question and how do we love people and hold to what's true but really love people you know i think in this issue a lot of people that we're talking about are i think are victims of the ideology uh that's one thing what mm-hmm. would you say arthur yeah thanks tom uh, that's a really good question uh, so i think i would fall back always on the classical definition of what tolerance is mm. Um, to tolerate someone means you disagree with them. Right. If, if you right. agree with them, there's no tolerating going That's on. That's right. <laughs> it's inherent in that yeah. word is I disagree. Yeah. Correct. And I think what Christians need to do is actually we don't need to, we don't need to necessarily shift our positions or say something that we don't actually believe. We can say, hey, here's what we believe, A to Z, in regards to what Scripture teaches, argue for it. But on this issue, we can agree with someone, say we agree on the age in which people should be introduced to subjects like this and thinking about it. On this specific issue, we can agree with people that we, we regularly uh, would sit at opposite sides of the table with. But we want to do it, um, as First Peter 3.15 goes on to say, we want to do it with respect and gentleness. Mm. And that should really be a character of the Christian individual. We ought to be gentle. We ought to be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. 
right? Um, yeah, we're not pushovers. That, that's not the case. We defend when we need to defend. But there's a certain defense that happens when somebody is fully in control of themselves and gentle at the same time. And that's my view of Jesus. That's my view of who God is. I think sometimes we take the word gentle and we apply wimpiness to it. Correct. Right? We, especially as men, you know, but gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you're gentle in the right way, you win. You win the, you, you persuade, right? I, maybe win is the wrong answer, wrong word, although I, I think it's fine. Yeah. But you, you're persuasive when you are loving and kind, but also bold and straightforward. Correct. Yeah, and we see quite a bit of persuasion going on in the book of Acts. I That's mean, right. We, people are regularly showing up places and says they persuaded. And some were persuaded and some were not. That's right. That's always going to be the case. That is always going to be the case. We only have a couple of minutes left. I wanted to just ask you, uh, your ministry, ApologiaCenter.com, is how people can reach you there, ApologiaCenter.com. My guest is Arthur Osadurian, who runs this ministry. You told me that uh, not only are you doing great things here in the United States in this ministry, this online thing, you're on all the socials, but also in Armenia. Uh, where you're from, this Correct. is going great. Yeah, so um, we moved our family, me and my uh, my wife, my, my kids. I had a 10-month-old at the time. 2019, we moved to Armenia, and uh, we started an apologetics ministry there. We were there for a year and a half. And I got a team in Armenia that is producing apologetics content, running book clubs, speaking at various churches. Um, and we're the only ones, I can confidently say that, Armenia is a small enough country, um, we're the only ones where we're doing apologetics work, yeah, given a defense for the Christian worldview. That's um, that's magnificent. I think that's really great. Plus, you're doing a lot here with your ministry. You got your degree here at uh, Talbot and Biola, and you're right here in Southern California. Um, best way for people to connect with you who want to follow up with you? Yeah, um, they can email me at info at apologiacenter.com. Okay. Info at ApologiaCenter.com. That's also the website, Apollo. That's how you say it. I've been I, saying it's GM, okay. But, it's, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> you know, we'll put me in the in the Scott Furrow jail here for the, uh, here we go. And, uh, but I really want people to check uh, this ministry out. And uh, Arthur, uh, can we just pray for a minute, uh, in particular for the event that's going to be, uh, we just have a minute left, but... Uh, in Glendale to school board for peace. Uh, would, you, sure. would you like to pray yeah, for that? I'd love to. Uh, our Father, we thank you for your love, your grace. We realize that we are all under your common grace. And we pray specifically for this event, God. We pray that truth would prevail. We pray that your personality and character will truly be seen in the peace that kind of supernaturally overshadows this meeting. And that people would be able to sit across one another who disagree with each other um, strongly, and come to terms and seek the good of our children. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for being with me today on the Pastor Scott Show. Me. We look forward to having you back again. Once again, my guest is Arthur Osadurian. His ministry is called Apologia Center. You can go to Apologia or Apologia. ApologiaCenter.com. You can also get the podcast of this episode. Just go to KKLA.com and look for the Pastor Scott Show or find the Pastor Scott Show, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back with Hour 2 as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned.